We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Martin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Mr. Sean Siegel, the co-owner of Rotoviz. Sean, two weeks since our last show and uh, I guess we can kind of reveal a little bit behind the curtain, we have another two week gap after this one, but looks like after that then the start of July will be starting to go weekly again and it's uh, getting really exciting the juices are starting to flow when we're thinking about these drafts and thinking about topics to discuss on the show so are you excited to be getting closer to that weekly schedule and how have things been with you over the last two weeks well it this is the most fun time of the year that we have coming up july august everything is potential you don't have that weekly feedback showing that you were wrong on your picks last week yet you can be very optimistic about <laughs> all of your guys during those two months and and it's the most fun time i think for putting together teams for doing a bunch of drafts uh for doing a bunch of research that again isn't focused wholly on the upcoming week the the grind of the season now the grind of the season obviously uh, brings its own excitement and enjoyment in different ways but uh summertime perfect for fantasy football and uh it's, it's time to get into it 
yeah getting ready for those drafts is fun you mentioned the grind of the season we'll we'll leave that in the back window for for a little bit yet usually starts to head in around maybe week 13 14 when some of the teams start to fall away as well but uh as i mentioned um you know at the start of the show a fun show coming up here as always we're going to look through some of the articles on the site we're going to be looking at some pieces by monty fan looking at some players and how their adp has changed since the draft we're also going to be looking at some of sean's recent work on the site some of dave cabin's recent work around the usability of rookie running backs, and then Blair Andrews's recent edition of The Wrong Read, which is always fantastic. Before we get into the content of the show, I want to remind you as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, which is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The season is getting closer. It's inching closer week by week. Make sure you're ready and gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools and get amazing value and support the podcast network. Once again, that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. So, Sean, as we get into the second quarter, I did tease it there a moment ago. Monty Fan has a great piece up on the site looking at some of the ADP changes in high-stakes leagues since the NFL draft. And obviously, that is going to in turn have... Uh, ramifications everywhere because the adp will filter down so sometimes we can see different changes in high stakes based on your standard redraft leagues or best ball leagues but when we look at the first team he has mentioned here is the arizona cardinals and obviously they had the first pick in the draft they took kyler murray but it's very interesting to see some of the changes we've seen in terms of adp pre and post draft so if we look at somebody like david johnson um obviously a running back who I expect to have a, a pretty solid year. Had a, a decent year last year when you look back and reflect on the overall numbers, but it was a tough year for David Johnson owners in 2018. His ADP before the draft uh, this year was 14. It's all, it's you know it's it's halved. It's up up to seventh. So kind of mid first round for him from that mid second round area. Christian Kirk, somebody who everyone at Road of is pretty high on, and we've been talking about him since early last season. Um, he was going 116th pre-NFL draft going 97th now and Kyler Murray of course the man who has kind of led to these actions to happen he was going 146th before the draft and 96th now at the moment so it wasn't really that much of a surprise in terms of the draft pick being Murray but it obviously has seemed to boost their value across um, you know the, the format particularly in high stakes but what was your thoughts on just looking at these and how it's changed are you surprised just quite how much it's changed and in, in particular for David Johnson himself you know we have have the new offense coming in here with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, it's going to be you know a little bit more air raid offense. But what's your thoughts on uh, how these positions have jumped? And are you surprised just how much they've jumped based on the expectation before the NFL draft that Murray would likely be the quarterback in Arizona? I, I think the difference is a little bit surprising. It's surprising that he was in the second round at that point. I think because we're talking about David Johnson here, and the two very clear top picks in this year's draft are Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. And you look at those two guys and Monty does an excellent job keeping you up to date on what the high stakes players are doing. I think if you want to get into high stakes, he's somebody you should definitely follow. Uh, if you want to simply benefit from learning what the high stakes guys are doing and then use that in your homely you can do that extremely well again by following monty's work one of the things that we see in the high stakes discussions is that these guys tend to be even higher on christian mccaffrey than barkley and you have a couple of things there one is simply that mccaffrey brings unreal receiving upside of the table and number two that that offense is going to be a lot better 
than the Giants offense. And we've seen a number of times over the past five years how much of a difference that can make. The difference with Todd Gurley under Jeff Fisher and then in the new explosive uh, Rams offense, David Johnson pre-2018 and then David Johnson in the disastrous situation that they had last year. So, and specifically with David Johnson here, we see this big change again. So it may be a situation where we go into 2020 drafts and the question instead of Barkley or McCaffrey would be Barkley or Johnson, right? Because with Johnson, we have a player who is very similar, probably not quite to that same level of athleticism at this point, although David Johnson came into the league as a freak athlete. But you have these two guys bringing this hybrid mindset this hybrid ability to the table and the cardinals have been very clear that they're going to get him the ball in space they're going to get him a lot of targets and he has stated for a number of years now going back to the huge season that he had that his goal is to have a 1000 yard rushing and 1000 yard receiving season this is the offense that he could potentially do it in so when you're looking at david johnson that adp at seven you know, that that's certainly not a bargain per se, because the top six guys in this draft are very, very tough. But when we're looking to next year, I think if there are two guys who could end up coming in ahead of Barkley, ahead of McCaffrey, and it wouldn't be that surprising, I think you're looking at Alvin Kamara or David Johnson. Yeah, when you look at David Johnson as well, you know, if we look back, obviously 2017 was a, a washout week one, just 11 carries in the books uh, and went down with the injury. Uh, so he missed the entire 2017 season, but 2016 uh, and then his rookie season in 2015 were just, uh, you know, very impressive. 2016 was monstrous as the uh, the best season basically in yards per scrimmage over the last four years by any running back in the NFL at 1,239 uh, rushing yards and then 16 touchdowns. Then he had 80 receptions on 120 targets and four more touchdowns. So that was obviously a monster year. Maybe we don't see him get back to that level. But I think, you know, even if we look back to last year, and it was more done on volume and it wasn't done basically like the plays weren't explosive we talked about it in terms of the play call many many weeks last year but he did finish the year with almost a thousand yards and he finished the year with 10 total touchdowns and 50 receptions so it's not that hard to envision that he could bounce back and have that monster uh, season i guess what i would pick from what you mentioned is that the surprises that he was in the second round pre-draft i think that having him between seven and nine is that you know the seventh pick eighth pick ninth pick is probably where i would have had him pre-draft as well so i think he's probably now just adjusted to the right adp i think he was uh, an extreme value at number 14 at that point the other player obviously that we're very high on is christian kirk and um even at that adp in 97 at the moment i think we might still find uh, a value in him there do you still think that 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 adp is going to climb or do you think we're starting to hit you know the the valuation point at the moment kirk is is a strange one here because you see a guy where they invested a ton at wide receiver and and i talk with john from time to time and he is always explaining to me that they uh the cliff has brought in his guys now we have obviously andy isabella there we have hakeem butler butler still very trendy and i think with good reason he still was drafted in that range where if he can play he's going to get that opportunity and will be able to show what he can do in an offense that is going to throw the ball a ton kirk though you know again the reports even in the last couple of days are that he you know looks like the guy in that offense and you know we talk all the time about rookie derangement syndrome we're going to talk about that a little bit again in the context of dave's article looking at running backs we simultaneously talk about each of the individual positions and how year two 
is that one year where players actually get a big jump in terms of their fantasy scoring. And when we're looking at Kirk and we're looking at this offense that is going to have such huge volume and still with him as the focal point. Now, the real discussion here is how many wide receivers do they need? How many wide receivers can they play? And who really will be the star? I don't think that those draft picks of the wide receivers indicated anything other than this is going to be sort of a unique offense in some ways hearkening back to warren moon and the run and shoot and you know those old-time houston oilers and you need a number of wide receivers for that or at least the way the cardinals are hoping to run it where they actually have some receiver talent as opposed to simply spreading it out chucking it maybe to some lower end guys if you run this offense with a david johnson obviously so much is going to come down to kyler murray but with his run passability and then if you actually have star or above average receivers out there as opposed to just guys and when we've seen some offenses run some of these passing games that used a lot of receivers that spread you vertically that spread you horizontally you know i always think of the dick vermeil chiefs that were really fueled by priest holmes but trent green was a monster in the passing game for them as well but what he had were pretty low end wide receivers. If he had had a couple of stud wide receivers, and again, you know, you're limited to how many individual stars you can have on, on one team, just in terms of your overall roster construction. But the Cardinals, I think, are going out and saying, we want to have firepower at these positions to run this offense and actually be able to put pressure on the defense. So I, I think all these guys are going to get their chance. I think this offense is going to work. But I do think that Kirk is going to be that guy this season while Fitzgerald, Isabella, Butler are going to be more complimentary pieces. Yeah, and it's interesting as well. When you look at the depth chart, you know, uh, you're looking at Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. I think they're clearly at the top of this depth chart. Obviously, we've talked about Andy Isabella on the show, and, uh, you know, I've been drafting him in my rookie drafts, and I think there's big things to come from him. But when you look at him coming in as a rookie, I, I think he's going to be you know a lot less down the pecking order but if you look at below those two guys like there's nothing there that shows that Kirk's going to lose out in any targets you know you have Kevin White coming over from the Bears who has really done nothing you have Demir Bird you have Farrell Cooper you have Kashawn Johnson you know you don't have a huge amount then tight end you're looking at Charles Clay you know Ricky Seelish Jones is showing flashes but there's nothing really there to, to show so it really could be a three-man show between David Johnson Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk uh, you know lining up with Kyler Murray so it's going to be very very interesting to see and you know in terms of the rookie performance last year I was very impressed with Kirk uh, and when we look then at you know the ADP and we've mentioned it there but you know Sean you have him at 44th player in terms of your ADP projections and Blair Andrews uh, who, who who we're going to talk about later later with the wrong read has him at 36th overall so there's uh, you know still potential uh, to go and grab him um, at a huge value at that exact spot so i'm very interested to see what he does moving on to look at some of the other changes that we've seen in adp and we're looking at the patriots backfield we have sonny michelle who finished the season extremely strong last year and i maybe wrote him off a little bit earlier in the season last year uh, in terms of his performance with really strong down that final stretch to win the super bowl particularly in the playoffs uh, he was 26th but we've seen a drop in adp for him down to 39th based on the draft and that is mainly with damon harris coming in uh, he was pre-draft at 128 but he's also dra- dropped due to the the backfield being a little bit crowded he's 140 and james white uh, who had a very strong start to the season and tailed off a little bit towards the end had uh, an adp pre-draft of 55 very similar but 59 now overall uh, and that's not even getting into the full list of running backs we have in new england so new england has tended to be quite a, a valuable offense in terms of running back production over the the last couple of years but 
it tends to be sprinkled around throughout the running back core do you think that's gonna be the same again this year do you think those kind of drops in adp are fair based on another running back coming in uh to to that uh, locker room monty's take on this i think is is interesting because he points out that white finished as the rb7 last year and is being drafted you know in a enthusiastic range as a result of that but certainly far below that actual level and you know he points out that that may be the safest play since he caught 87 passes last season and the patriots have 233 vacated targets from a season ago white always is kind of in that range where it's just tricky because i saw so many people who had this player who was going to finish as a top 10 running back and after a couple of down games toward the end of the year felt like they couldn't even play him last season right and so anytime that you're considering benching a top 10 running back because of a couple of down weeks that gives you a sense of just how difficult he would be then to draft in the top 60 or 70 picks the following season and then when you bring harris into the equation you even still have this potential of rex burkhead being healthier this year than he was last year the really difficult i think it one is is mitchell at the top where his situation may be quite a bit better than Todd Gurley's I think that with Gurley we start to get into this you know super scare situation of maybe he won't be able to play much at all or simply he won't be able to have the touches but one of the things that I think is interesting and is a little bit strange about the way running backs are drafted is that you should certainly continue to take that mindset as you go down through the draft because Michelle is already going to be a guy where he's going to have a hard time hitting that target in the second and third round even with a ton of rushes even with a ton of touchdowns you're talking about a guy who's very fragile in terms of what his production is going to be and so you know you have a ton of competition there for the receptions it's not that he couldn't emerge as a guy who plays a little bit more in the passing game i certainly think that was what they had anticipated for him originally certainly when you hear all of those camera comps uh, coming out of college that's what you're hoping for but when they have those other receivers in, and one of the things there for him is that harris also can catch the ball right and so you just have so much competition in a situation where even if he's healthy he's going to be difficult to play and then he may not be healthy so he still looks overvalued by two three four five rounds potentially yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it does and michelle as well um had a a knee scope earlier this off season as well so not training at the moment but expected to be ready for the start of training camp but another reason for concern there i was surprised with the patriots uh, going running back as early as they did in that third round um, but it's gonna be interesting to see it's it's always it's a conversation every year to see how we shake out that uh, running back core and we did talk about it last year and we had rex burkhead in the mix it looks like he's even uh, further down the pecking order this year so we'll not get into his adp but it, it's a uh, it's it's an interesting one that patriots backfield always there is always value there but it's trying to see where we can get it and if it can be used week to week Allow me a brief second to let you know about our good friends over at the FFPC. At this stage, if you're listening to the show all off-season, you'll know they are the home off-season long high-stakes fantasy football. If you're a diehard who loves to draft, the FFPC best ball leagues are in full swing for the 2019 season with drafts starting at just $35 all the way up to $1,250 entry fees. Both slow and live leagues are filling daily and uh, make sure you get involved in those. Are you a fan of the Dynasty format? You know, I certainly am. The FFPC has become the go-to destination for serious Dynasty 
fantasy football players they now have over 300 active dynasty leagues starting at 77 dollars, and even have a five thousand dollar entry league and the best part is not a single league has folded in nine years registrations for new startup dynasty leagues have opened and new leagues are forming now limited orphan teams are also available at discounted pricing don't miss out on the ffpc experience now go to myffpc.com and register now that's myffpc.com the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football this episode is brought to you by decoy wines of sonoma california as you gather with family and friends this summer experience the best of wine country with decoy by duckhorn winemaker tyson wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards whether it's our flagship cabernet or crisp and refreshing rosé decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com celebrate to locate our wines near you whether you're firing up the grill hosting an alfresco get together or enjoying the warm summer nights let decoy by duckhorn elevate your occasion This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. So, Sean, as we continue on with the show, getting into the third quarter, we're going to look at Dave Cabin's recent piece up on the site, looking at the usability of rookie running backs from 2008. I almost said 2008. I don't know if that is a correct way to say it, uh, looking at those rookie running backs. What was your thoughts uh, on the overall work that Dave put into this one? Yeah, so Dave is is trying to break down and give us a sense of, over the last decade or so, how rookie running backs have done in redraft formats and whether or not they're hitting that 160-point threshold where you're essentially getting a low-end running back two season. And he's broken it down by draft round here for us. First-round picks, there have been 23 players. Ten have reached that threshold. Second-round picks, 26 players. Seven of them have made it. And then third-round picks, we have 25 guys, and five of them have made it. The numbers really drop off the cliff after that. So there are a couple of main takeaways that Dave has here. Number one is just giving you a sense of the approximate number, letting you calibrate your expectations a little bit for those guys drafted in the first 100 picks. And then the second thing is to encourage you not to rely on players drafted outside of that range, at least originally. So we've got a couple of things going on here. Number one would simply be how we're going to attack a draft in terms of starters or in terms of the early rounds where perhaps we are expecting actual production from those people and then how we might approach later round picks and players for whom we're not necessarily looking to get an entire season's worth of points but maybe some individual weekly scores later on in the season knowing that he gives us a list of the seven guys who are being drafted in that top three round range and gives us two guys to target five guys to fade Colin, before we get into dave's picks uh pick out a couple of guys just off the top of your head here that you would be looking at before we see what dave has to say 
what I was going to say, and I was going to ask you this a moment ago, was off these running backs, and particularly the rookie running backs, and the values they're going at. So if we look at somebody like Josh Jacobs uh, and where he's going in drafts, he's you know with my approach, I haven't, I, I, I tend not to be taking running backs in that kind of early stage, particularly where Josh Jacobs then is going a little bit later for the rookie, you know, projections that he is coming in. I, I'm tempting as I look down through these. Uh, I'm not drafting any of them in season-long formats. Now, the one that I have been picking up in terms of uh, you know dynasty formats is David Montgomery. I've picked him up in three or four of my dynasty leagues, so he would be the one out of the group. But again, as I kind of hinted at there, in season-long, I think, it, and, and Dave kind of touches on it too, it's going to be a bit of a, a backfield where he may not start off the season as the, the lead back there. He may take time to go into it. But long-term, I, I like David Montgomery, but... Out of the guys in this list, there's not many of them that are, are slotting into my teams in terms of 2019 season long. Is there any that you're starting to target, um, or, or are you kind of in the same boat as that? Well, I think you bring up a good point, which is that the range that you would take a rookie running back starter tends to be the range where you don't want a running back at all, right? We have looked a lot in the best ball workshops at how drafting running backs between rounds three and four especially – is the the absolute desert the no-go zone you don't want to be picking running backs in that range but even extending to rounds five and six you really want to be targeting other positions at that level and so round three to round six really tends to wipe out where you might be taking most rookie running backs outside of a situation like last year obviously where Barkley was going in the first round and then paid that off very very easily I think the thing that we see here is that it's much easier for us to remember the people sort of on the polls. It's much easier for us to remember someone like a Barkley and then the guys who are absolute bust than it is to remember all of these other players who were top three round picks who didn't really do much. And I think that would be my concern for Jacobs, for Montgomery, uh, even a little bit for Henderson there as his ADP really is ticking up with the concerns about Todd Gurley is that we tend to forget all of these guys who are drafted, say, anywhere from 20 to 100, who don't do all that much and weren't even really expected to do all that much until they were several seasons into it. I think the guy that you have to really be considering here is Jacob, simply because he's going to have that opportunity entirely to himself. And because the Raiders aren't particularly good and because Jacobs has a lot of red flags on his resume. Uh, he's not going at a pick that would completely take you off the board, right? I mean, he's going at pick 37. And so in that range, sort of mid-third to mid-fourth, Jacobs, with the types of touches that he is going to get, you know, I think you could go after. David Montgomery is very tricky. Yeah, People, I think, will draw some parallels, and certainly Jalen Richard is someone I have taken in a number of leagues. You know, so you can say, well, that's not that different than what Montgomery is going to see with Cohen. But Cohen is such a playmaker. There are someone they need to have on the field, need to have them make their offense work. Mike Davis, someone a little bit better, I think, than a lot of people realize. Someone who's a very similar type of athlete to David Montgomery and has that NFL experience, also has that receiving ability. A lot of the projections for David Montgomery really have him coming in and not just being this sort of whirling dervish monster playing well above his tested athleticism, but also someone who takes a bunch of receptions away from a couple of guys who are very good pass catching backs. 
For me, at his ADP and knowing what we know both about rookies and about running backs drafted in these ranges, you know, he would be the guy who's the clearest red flag. Yeah, and another reason for that is when you look at players, and, and this is something that I tend to look at in terms of, you know, if you're looking at certain backfields and you think, well, that guy may be the, the 1A and the, then this guy might be the 1B. But when you look at somebody like, uh, you know, David Montgomery and he's going off the board kind of in that mid to late fourth round, and then you're looking at somebody like Tariq Cohen, he's going off the board in the mid to late fifth round. When there's only one to two rounds between two running backs on the same team, it, it can be very, very, very difficult for them both to, to be able to produce fantasy values so realistically looking at it one of those guys isn't going to be a return on value and it just depends on when you're picking which one you're going to go with now if you're looking at where they're going and players that are coming off the board around them you know if you're if you're looking at somebody like david montgomery you know you have the options around him like somebody like a, a kenny galladay branton cooks robert woods you know they're all players that i would certainly be looking to take you know he's not he's not going that much after somebody like a stefan Diggs. so I, I would be much more inclined at that point to be going wide receiver and uh, you know I've talked about it over and over again here and I, I know Sean that you'd like to, to go the wide receiver right unless it's in that first round but when we're looking at these players you mentioned kind of the no-go zone there's a lot of players in there that are really in situations that I'm not excited about now Josh Jacobs as you mentioned is going to get the work he would be the one that I would be targeting out of this for 2019 but when I, when I look at where I realistically I'm going to draft options at his particular spot it's it's going to be an extreme situation that I end up picking him at that point so there's the other options that I'm, I'm going to go towards each and every time when it gets to that point would be what I would be expecting there how about some of the slightly later guys there in terms of a Harris whom we talked about earlier on Alexander Madison with the Vikings playing that uh, role behind Dalvin Cook where you're the the breather back and then perhaps punching in some of those touchdowns or maybe even a, a Devin Singletary a prolific NCA rusher and Dave points out that he had a speed score of 83 he also goes to a Buffalo team that may be offensively challenged, but also has put together this weird depth chart where they have a bunch of big name backs who are no longer good. And that I think is a very tricky depth chart for a rookie who again is one of these very productive, but not athletic rookies to then go into a bad offense with these big name guys who are sort of playing out the string uh, that that probably would be the worst case scenario for me for him although being drafted as early as he was uh, certainly a better case scenario than I think what the expectation was someone who could easily fall into the fourth fifth sixth even seventh round of the NFL draft but did go there on day two any of those three guys have any interest for you at all uh, Madison might be interesting based on the reasons you mentioned that you know he has an opportunity to to get some work but again kind of his upside is going to be that he's going to be you know the second running back involved he's kind of, the way you hinted at it there it's almost like he's going to try and fill that Matt Asiata role and be getting his one yard touchdowns all season long but it is it is one of those ones where you're looking at upside and it is capped in terms of we have uh, you know Dalvin Cook and Barn injury. I would expect him to be uh, the man getting the the huge bulk of the work there all season long. Harris again, we touched on earlier, and 
outside of if Michelle's knee issue kind of lingers on, it's going to be hard, I think, for him to, to be you know a lead back at any stage this season. Uh, the one that's kind of interesting is Singletary, because you mentioned the depth chart, and I find it very, very hard to believe that we're going to see all four of those options be on the roster come week one, and it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I, I don't think they're going to cut the rookie, but... Uh, it's hard to see which way they're going to move. I was really surprised when they took Frank Gore in there. So it's a backfield where it's just a, a quagmire where I would be kind of probably trying to avoid it at all costs. So there's not a huge amount in this group that's really, really exciting to me. The other one on the list is Miles Sanders. I think there could be you know some interest there based on what he can do in Philadelphia. But what, I, what I've noticed over the last couple of years and it's when Dynasty has become more and more popular as well across the board, we see more and more leagues, more and more people playing in that format. I'm starting to see kind of that uh, kind of the rookie fever kind of sprinkle its way into redraft leagues and we're seeing some of those players go a little bit higher than maybe they should be and I think we're seeing that maybe possibly at the moment as well with somebody like uh, Darrell Henderson who's you know seems to be climbing by by the minute in terms of where people are expecting his impact to be in 2019. Out of those two guys and, and Sanders and Henderson do you think any of those could have a, a fantasy relevant impact um, as we stand now heading into the season? I think they can, but I don't think that you can draft them. A lot of the guys that I like as rookies are people where you want to add them to the very back end of your roster, like a Philip Lindsay, as we recommended for him. But they're very much zero running back options, where you have to be able to get them in a good position you've got to be able to get them in the way that you're constructing your roster miles sanders if he were a little bit cheaper then that would be fantastic where he's being drafted right now where it really sounds like that they want to go with someone else as the starter he's injured you know you've got howard there you've got those other backs there you know you can't really select him as a redraft player however you know, you look at someone and, and again, Dave does a very nice job of showing that, you know, don't expect these big 160 point seasons from late round draft picks. At the same time, that doesn't mean they couldn't come in and score some points for you down the stretch. You know, if you have a Benny Snell or you have a Darwin Thompson, or you even have uh, a Bryce Love, and we have no idea where he's really going to be. It's, it's very possible that he does redshirt for the entire season, but you know, if he's available there late, then he's someone I think, you know, as the most dynamic back within their stable, I think, immediately. Now, obviously, plenty of people you know, would not agree with that, but there are going to be rookies who are drafted outside of this area that we're talking about who put up some big weeks for you, but you just want to be aware of how you're going to construct your roster to take advantage of that the rookies to take advantage of are not going to be these guys that you have to spend a premium pick on in almost any case yeah and i I, i'm exactly on board now there is one guy sean and he's been fighting his way onto the tail end of uh, my rosters um and he plays for the jacksonville jaguars his name is Raquel armstead uh how do you think of uh you know the, the 60th running back off the board at that point in an offense behind fournette i know we touched on him a couple of weeks ago but He's somebody that's uh, sneaking in there, uh, and and most of them, you know, around the fourteenth, the sixteenth round. Uh, is he somebody you think that could fit into that uh, zero RB kind of candidate? Definitely, definitely, and he and he's someone that Blair has been targeting a lot. Someone that I've gotten uh, in a number of my drafts where I either had a very late pick or you know not a lot of auction money to spend. Again, I think our expectations should be 
that he won't contribute at all. At the same time, we want to be aware of all of the different scenarios that could play out and make sure that we're in position to roster some of these guys or to add them quickly when things change. Because it's really the change in value at the running back position that we're hoping to target throughout the season, not trying to buy the volume early on. That running back volume outside of the first round is so expensive and so unreliable. And so the way that you win fantasy leagues is by making sure that you're going to be in position to take advantage of volume when it changes, workloads changing, and understanding the scenarios that are in play. And Armstead is definitely a guy you want to be aware of because if the scenario changes in Jacksonville, especially if that offense takes a little bit of a step forward, then he could be a pretty exciting player. He could be one of these guys where, you know, halfway into the season, everyone is wondering why he wasn't the person we were talking about back during the summer. Yeah. And I, I do think there's more of a chance that we're probably not thinking that come week 10 than we are thinking it, but there is that possibility there. And if you look, as I mentioned, he's going sixtieth running back off the board uh, in the late 14th or early 15th round. If you look at, you know, the likes of Montgomery, uh, who we've talked about, you look at Henderson, you look at Sanders, they're going off the board, you know, um, in those top 35 picks, Montgomery going 25th off the board in terms of uh, run. And I mean, in terms of running backs there, uh, but in terms of like Henderson and, and Sanders, they're going off the board um, in that kind of mid to late seventh round. And, you know, there's as many question marks almost with them outside of, uh, you know, overall draft position and hype around them than Armstead. I think Armstead may also have a, a possibly a clear path to, uh, you know, a more consistent uh, workload on a week to week basis. But that is kind of I'm I'm further down, the, <laughs> further down the ADP chart than than most of those in terms of where we're looking at and, and targeting these rookies um, as we get ready for the season. So, Sean, jumping into the fourth quarter, it's time to look at one of your most recent pieces. You're talking about uh, the recent Superflex draft um, and the RDL reboot. Um, I, I always love to talk and, and look back through apps or look back through drafts and see uh, what's happened. So, how, how did you find the draft? Did it go according to plan? Did it uh, did it get away from you at any points? How did you feel it went? The RDL reboot has been a blast. It has Superflex, it has tight end premium, it has third round reversal, all the kinds of things that you want to try and incorporate into your dynasty startups to add a little bit of flavor, to add a little bit of balance into your draft. So the people are not suddenly losing interest in the, the mid third round range. The fun thing, obviously, about Superflex is it brings those quarterbacks into play and for Rotoviz subscribers, you can really benefit from some of the tools we have here. Uh, we talked about the FFPC earlier in the show, and because of our FFPC Dynasty ADP app that uh, Mike Beers has worked on and, and has added all kinds of really cool features to, you can go in and select Superflex leagues. And because of that, you can see the startup ADP for specifically that type of league and, and try and figure out where you want to go with your quarterbacks. And so the article that I wrote was about super flex strategy and trying to manage those QB runs and breaking down the QBs by tier, looking at where they're being drafted and what that means to you. And the thing that I thought was kind of interesting here is that you have this tier in the late fifth, early sixth round of super flex startups where it's tier five already, but it's the breakouts. You have this area where Mitchell Trubisky, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen are all coming off the board together there. And this, I think, is exciting because anytime that you have a tier toward the end of 
obviously not the end of the draft, but toward the end of this position, an end of a run, then if you have targets in that range, it allows you to wait and be able to fill other positions. And that's really what we have here. When I went through the analysis and looked at the different tiers, there are guys to target in every tier, but tier five, the breakout tier, everyone is a target. So you can arrange your draft that way. And for me, I was able to pick Lamar Jackson again, someone we talked a little bit about uh, in terms of the MFL 10 of death. But then the thing that I think is interesting here, and I kind of teased it in my article, and, and Blair came through just a couple days later with his new article uh, in his fantastic Wrong Read series, and that was looking at breakouts for QBs and breakouts for tight ends, which both of those things relevant anytime you have a startup, anytime you have a deep draft that emphasizes both of those positions, both of the super flex and the tight end premium. And so... Colm, having looked at this a little bit, looked at the QB breakout numbers, uh, am I right in suggesting that these three second-year players should be targets in Superflex startups? I think they should be. When you get to that stage, you're looking to see where the the upside could be in terms of the value. Um, And once you get past those guys, you're looking at guys who are more in the veteran uh, scheme of things. I I recently completed a Superflex best ball draft, and um, I got quite a bit of uh, kickback on Twitter for picking – joe flacco but he was the the qb 30 and that was in the i think the sixth round and after him only five more quarterbacks went in the entire six it's a 16 team 16 round baseball draft so once you get past this tier there is really nothing left but uh you know scraps and um that's the way you have to look at it and these guys have the potential upside to to push into that kind of top 12 off quarterbacks maybe into the top 16 and that there can be where it can you know push you from you know a uh, middle of the pack to league winning in terms of when you're when you're going into a super flex form because you, you can have most of your quarterbacks are going to have those average weeks but if you can pin somebody like this going at an adp you know below 20 basically and get them into that top 12 it can be enough to, to kind of start to push your team over the edge so i, I definitely agree with what, what you're saying there when you're looking down through them you know it, it's interesting that we do see Lamar Miller, what he did last year, obviously in terms of production on the ground, was super impressive. What we've seen as well from Josh Allen, a lot of his production coming on the, the ground as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can do this year when teams are kind of ready for ready and expecting it, how they can, can do that. We did see over the years, you know, with RG3, we can see some flash in the, the pants where it works for a certain period of time. We've seen it with Kaepernick a little bit, and then it doesn't work after that. It's it's going to be interesting to see how teams try and adapt to, to stop it because it is something that the NFL teams are going to have to really focus on now more than ever because the quarterbacks coming out of college are getting more and more athletic year on year. Uh, it's going to be somewhere where defensive coordinators have to, to try and scheme for it a lot, lot more. So we have seen players coming in. There's been a couple of athletic players here and there, but you know there's going to be a stage in maybe five to ten years where there's going to be more than half the the quarterbacks in the league are going to have that athletic profile to be able to to make some runs and you're going to have to start to really prep for that so those two guys are interesting for me but purely based on what i expect them to do on the ground so kind of a little bit of a konami code or a cheat code in terms of what they can do the, the other two guys then are more what i'm looking to see what they can do in terms of that that passing offense and we we hinted on it a little bit before when we talked sean at the, the before we started recording mitchell trubisky somebody who i'm not 
sold on as a you know as a overall nfl starting quarterback i think he's been serviceable so far but i think that people might be getting a little bit ahead of themselves in terms of what they're expecting him to do heading into this year and he is actually the first of those quarterbacks off the board in terms of adp um you know i, I would much rather all three of them over him i would have him at the fourth spot out of those guys there um the other two i would have um again just above him but the one that i think could really take a step forward this year would be sam darnold i think there's a, a possible possibility there for him to have a big year especially when you look at going into that second year can he take that step forward you're also looking at uh the the, the players that he is around him uh, you know they've taken in levy on bell so that's obviously going to give him a huge amount of support in terms of he'll he'll get a lot of points purely off dump off levy on bell it's going to help open things up and when we look around it you know somebody who i think's ready for uh, another big year and they really started to link up even though it was a small sample stretch down the side down down the stretch was um with robbie anderson i think we're going to see uh, quite a bit of movement there in terms of what they can can do this year so uh, it's going to going to be interesting you know jameson crowder coming in there gives him a nice player in, in the center another tough player for them is quincy and who was coming back off injury last year and somebody who i i really like as a as a tight end prospect but it's going to miss a couple of games to start the year and that's chris hendren so uh, you know quietly going under the radar i think maybe it's not under the radar but i haven't heard a huge amount of publicity around it i think the jets are starting to piece together quite a quite a possibly explosive offense and i think darnold as a young player going into that second year could really have a, a huge step forward and when you look at last year as well you know the, the parts of the season people kind of really started to to question you know how good he could be was he a bust and that was only after a couple of games of his rookie season so i think we've seen him take a big step forward in those last kind of four games of the season and i think heading into this year he's he's somebody i think could be very interesting at that kind of that that tear breakout that you've mentioned there the interesting thing i think for all of these guys certainly the three second year guys is simply that they're being valued with a little bit of a bump from what they did last season but you're basically being able to get them based on their performance in 2018 and Blair's article is really cool because it again demonstrates that year two is that big year. It's far and away the year that more QBs jump to QB one status than any other, right? So if we're going to see Lamar Jackson, if we're going to see Sam Darnold, if we're going to see Josh Allen make that jump, this is very possibly the year that they would do it. And if they do move to that range, then obviously they end up being very, very undervalued. One of the other things you mentioned, the rushing value, I think, gives them that safety. But it's interesting, especially with Darnold, who could end up being a star in that offense you talked about, I think, especially with Lamar Jackson. Jackson is a guy I didn't get really any of a season ago because he was so expensive. And he was so expensive because he's so exciting, right? When he was last year as Kyler Murray, you know, he has that RG3, uh, but hopefully, you know, not the the personality or the mentality to go with it. You know, he's a guy who perhaps could be a little bit of what we would like to see even more from for Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's really now the discount version of some of these guys who are starting to go very, very early in drafts with this dual threat ability. Now, the question is if he's actually a dual threat because, you know, didn't throw a lot last year. The reports out of camp are that, you know, he has been better this summer in their different activities, but there are definitely times where there still are some red flags. And then I think because that 
group of receivers is so young because there are still questions about the skill players around him suddenly the enthusiasm it hasn't completely evaporated but he is much more freely available than i would have expected given what he did at the end of last season which was really not play very well and still score a bunch of points i mean if you've got a guy who could not play well and still score i mean that that creates this very, very high floor for you going forward, as long as they don't do something where they take away the things that he was scoring with and he's still not very good. But, you know, when you look at, at Blair's research, I think it gives you a lot of enthusiasm that perhaps these guys are being taken for granted a little bit. Now, the second year is, again, the only one where we see quarterback scoring actually improve. Any other year as a group, you would expect the scoring to drop for the different players. Also in in this article, Blair talks about tight ends and the tight end breakouts. And one of the things that he talks about is that unlike the situation at running back and wide receiver, where even with what we've seen, the information Davis provided us, you know, those players can break out fairly early, especially the really highly drafted players, you know, with these early breakouts. Tight end is not that kind of position. And when you look at the whole group of tight ends, you see a little bit of an edge for a breakout in year three. But when you go simply with the high picks at tight end, you really are back to year two. And so, you know, how does this relate to Lamar Jackson? Well, you've got both Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews in there. And both of those guys are going to be guys who play a big role in this offense if it works. Right. And so we do have some guys there. We've got a a team that has this flexibility with both deep threats, team speed at wide receiver, but also multiple tight ends they can rely upon. I think Justice Hill, he's a guy we didn't really mention uh, in our running back conversation. He kind of, you know, fits right in that gap in between the highly drafted and then the late round guys. But he might be the running back I'm most excited about for this season out of the rookies. This offense has a lot of ability, I think, to explode. And I think if you're drafting both Jackson and Hurst, which I'm doing, and with Hurst, again, it's it's at the very end of drafts, right? But you have this possibility that we see multiple guys emerge together and that this offense by midseason is quite a bit different than what people are anticipating. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The one thing, and you touched on there as well, uh, there would be concerns over both players, uh, that is Allen and, of course, uh, Jackson in terms of uh, their passing ability and the pass accuracy. But the thing is, if they can take a jump there and we do get the the continued rushing, um, obviously that's going to be a huge benefit there as well. So we would expect some some growth from year one to year two, as you've mentioned as well in the breakout. So it's going to be exciting to see these two guys and, and what they can do. It's one of those cases where, it, it could flame out very quickly or it could you know come mid-season be uh you know an, an exciting exciting player to be watching in either case hopefully in both cases but we'll we'll see how it goes there but as we get closer to the end of the show let's get ready to jump into overtime so sean in overtime this week we're going to look at the players that we've already discussed on the show and pick out one of those players that we either are very excited to see what they do this year and we're targeting in drafts or else that we aren't really that much of a believer in and we aren't targeting in any situations Uh, i'll let you go first is there any player that uh, on this week's edition caught your eye Talking about the Arizona Cardinals got me pretty fired up. I've got this sort of entire wardrobe of Cardinals gear that uh, I couldn't wear last season simply because it was just too dispiriting, right? What they were doing with that entire team, the Cardinals were flat out unwatchable. And, you know, to, to lose David Johnson, to lose Larry Fitzgerald, to have it be, uh, 
you know, so boring and depressing, right? That's not what you're wanting out of your NFL team there. So to be able to get all of that back out, to be excited for what's coming with the Cardinals, it's hard to pick just one guy. Uh, David Johnson, obviously, you know, I-, I mentioned, I think he could finish as the overall top player in fantasy. So, you know, he would be a guy up there. Christian Kirk, though, someone I haven't gotten as much or hardly at all so far this season where i've got dj Moore, calvin ridley Cortland sutton those guys are going off at such great prices that they've been squeezing him out a little bit for me uh after discussing him today going through a little bit more you know he's certainly someone who's going to be even more on my radar for making sure i get some of those shares of kirk that i want yeah you kind of jumped in and, and uh, i thought that might be the case but you kind of stole my thunder there they, they i have to say i did get excited while talking about the cardinals offense i think it's going to be something very fun to watch this year i guess what i'll say in terms of not picking exactly one player but picking kind of a, a bunch of players and that is those rookie running backs particularly the ones that haven't uh, a clear run to the position really that is all running backs outside of jacobs and you know montgomery potentially could get uh, the run there but you know I, I think over the last couple of weeks particularly if we're looking at dynasty uh, and how that has hyped up some of the value of these players but you know the likes of henderson the likes of sanders uh, you know the likes of harris i think we should just start to maybe uh, pump the brakes a little bit and and take a take a step back and uh, maybe think about when we're doing our redraft leagues that these guys i think maybe shouldn't be that uh, high you know in terms of where they're being drafted i think we're seeing it uh you know we kind of th- talked about this earlier uh, in the offseason where we're going to see a huge flip to running back fever as we got you know outside of that first round and we've talked about it in that first round those those running backs are all definitely um approve like i would approve of taking the majority of those in that first round even those second round guys but once you get through that second round I would just proceed with a little bit of caution and what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is any drafts that I've shared with people particularly on social media um, they, they tend to be the report replies coming in are all that the, the running backs have been missed in those rounds and that kind of kind of four through eight range and the, the 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 decision I think at the end of the season is going to be to look at it the other way that those running backs should have been missed surely there'll be some hits in there but uh, I think I would be proceeding with a little bit more caution uh, maybe I'm just uh that, that's my way but i, I think that um that, that's where people should be pumping the brakes a little bit do you do you do you think i'm overboard on those rookies or do you think that's fair enough you have to get your you have to get your guy early right drafting that star in the first round sets you up and then you have to wait because otherwise your team construction just is too fragile has too many things that have to go right these people who you know have a star tight end loaded up at wide receiver and then have all of the different zero running back opportunities to hit and build those teams out are just going to have a team with so many more outs than you have if you are running back heavy and especially with unproven running backs in high leverage rounds uh you know that's a quick ticket to you know the bottom half of your league yeah and that, that's one thing just i, I do see it I, I can predict long before a draft that when i tweet out my draft it's that's really the sentiment that's going to come in is uh, you skip those running backs and those rounds <laughs> it's it's the same every year so let's see how it goes but uh, it's always fun and anyone that is uh, doing some of those drafts be sure and uh, send them my way to have a little bit of a look it's uh, at over to Ireland on twitter but as i mentioned at the start of the show 
that 10% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass is still available, and that is at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. If you are thinking about joining up, if you haven't already, uh, make sure you get involved with that 10% discount. It is, you know, great value even at the full price, uh, but to get 10% off is really uh, stealing there and get yourself set up for this season coming ahead. Uh, some great work, as I mentioned, coming up this week with Sean's piece coming up. We did touch on Blair's piece, where there's a lot more information in there that we didn't go through. The wrong read is always a must read for me. So go on over, check out the site, get yourself that discount 10% off, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. With that, it's going to do it for today's edition of the show. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtim Ireland. My co host is Sean Siegel, who you can follow on Twitter at FF underscore contrarian. As I mentioned earlier in this show, we will be going back to the daily schedule. The sorry, we'll not go to a daily schedule, a weekly schedule uh, on on uh, the kind of first week of July. So back again in two weeks. So until then, enjoy the other podcasts on the network, and of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the podcast homepage at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.